brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, today we are talking about cult psychology. And uh, this is a very, very strong issue because, you know, a cult is a group of people who basically organize around a strong authority figure. And like many other groups, they attempt to really expand their influence of, of purpose and power for, for power or, or money. And, and to achieve that, they're, they're these destructive cults, and not all of them are destructive, but destructive cults employ a very potent mixture of influence techniques and deception to attain basic psychological control over their members and over new recruits. And, and the fundamental level of control is known alternatively as brainwashing, thought reform, mind control. And uh, basically, it, once a person is inducted by a destructive cult, it displaces their former identity and it replaces it basically with a new one. And that identity may not be the one that the person would have freely chosen on their own volition. And so, the, you know, there's about 3,000, just in the United States, there's about 3,000 cults and approximately 4 million members, and they fall into four basic types. There's the religious cult, which is the type we hear about most frequently. Then there's the psychological enlightenment, and that these folks offer very expansive enlightenment workshops. Also, there's a commercial cult, including certain pyramids, multi-level marketing organizations. Also, the political, which are organized around a political dogma, you know, such as Nazism was originally a cult, and cults can still be found lurking in the left and the right wings of our own politics, as we have all seen over the past couple of years. There is also, that you know, there's a difference between that, uh, the uh, occult, your church, your local service club, and even Alcoholic Anonymous. So we have to differentiate. What are the differences? You know, the major difference is that the ultimate goal, and it's the establishment, established religions, uh, altruistic movements are focused outward. They attempt to better the lives of members and often non-members. They make altruistic contributions. Cults serve their own purposes, which are the purposes of the cult leader. And so their energies are focused inward rather than outward. And also religions and altruistic movements typically lack the distinguishing characteristics of an overbearing authoritarian uh, control, the use of deception and, and recruitment, the use of coercive influence techniques, the replacement of identity, uh, which would not have been the way to go for that normal person. So, you know, Upon hearing about cult uh, influence techniques, if, if cults use influence tactics like ABC and my church or health club or debate team, it also uses influence tactics, A, B, and C, and then uh, that basically compares itself to churches and other more innocent, uh, more altruistic concerning uh, organizations. So cults, once again, look inward. And so, you know, they use affirmative uh, uh, the consequent, which is called a falsehood. It's a logical fallacy. 
and, and you know, here's some type of uh, fallacies they would use. You know, and this is just an example. It's not one that the cult would use. But, you know, when it rains, the sidewalk gets wet. So the sidewalk is wet. So the conclusion is it must have rained. Now, now you can see that there is a whole bunch of reasons that might have caused the wet sidewalk, including the neighbor's garden hose, leaky soda, dogs peeing on the uh, sidewalk, or a whole bunch of other uh, possibilities. Similarly, similarly, there's a number of defining characteristics that make a cult a cult, aside from the influence tactic they use. For the most part, normal, average people join cults, people like you and me. Research indicates that approximately two-thirds of cult members are psychologically healthy people that come from normal families. And the remaining third likely have like depression symptoms or anxiety symptoms. It's usually related to a personal loss, perhaps the death of a family. They're in a bad pocket in their life or a failed romantic relationship or they have career problems. And, and only 5 to 6% of cult members actually demonstrate major psychological problems prior to joining the cult. So they don't want and they don't recruit people with psychological problems or physical handicaps. They represent a loss rather than a gain for the culture, uh, the cult-oriented productivity. So cults prefer intelligent, productive individuals who are able to contribute money and talent to their cause, whatever it may be. So what are some of the characteristics? Well, concerted efforts at influence and control uh, lying at the core of cultic groups, programs, and relationships. Many members, former members, supporters of cults are not fully aware of the extent to which members may have been manipulated, exploited, even abused. You know, so what we have to look at is some social, structural, social, psychological, and interpersonal behavior patterns that are commonly found in, in the cult environments. And this is helpful when we're trying to assess, am I a part of a cult? You know, um, and you want to compare these patterns to the situation you might have been in. Uh, or, or which you, a family member, or a friend is currently involved. And this list may help you determine that there is cause for concern. Now, bear in mind that this list is not meant to be, you know, a definitive checklist. It is just simply a list of some characteristics that have been come up with and that I've researched and pulled out of all kinds of different materials that actually show what a cult is. And I, I think this is a pretty good uh, list. First of all, the group displays excessive, zealous, unquestioned commitment to its leader and whether they're alive or dead regards to their belief system, to their ideology, to their practices as the truth. That leader gave the truth as law. They also involve questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished in a cult. And also mind-altering practice such as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues, denunciation of sessions, debilitating work routines, those are used in excess and those serve to suppress doubts about the group or its leaders. Also, the leadership dictates sometimes in huge detail how members should think, act, and feel. For example, members must get permission to date, to change jobs, to marry. Uh, leaders prescribe what types of clothes that and where a person lives, whether or not they have children, how to discipline children, and all kinds of things such as that. Also, the group is usually elitist, uh, claiming a special exalted status for itself. And its leaders, the members, uh, for example, the leader is considered like a messiah, a special being. 
and and the, and the group is being special from all its special mission from humanity that that separates it from the human race. Also, another characteristic is the group has a polarized us versus them mentality, which may cause conflict with the wider society. In addition, the leader is not accountable to any authorities, unlike teachers, military commanders, ministers, priests, monks, the rest of the human race. This leader is not accountable to any authority. Also, the group teaches or implies that its supposedly exalted ends justify whatever the means uh, deems necessary. This may result in the members basically participating in behaviors and activities they would have considered irreprehensible or unethical before joining the group. For example, lying to family and friends, collecting money for bogus charities. Also, uh, subservience to the leader or the group requires members to cut ties with family members, with friends, radically alter their personal goals and activities that they had before joining the group. Also, um, there is a uh, – the, the group is uh, preoccupied with bringing in new members. That's usually one of the big qualities. And the group is also preoccupied with making money. That is a big part of what they do. Also, members are expected to devote inordinate amounts of time to the group and group-related activities. In addition, members are encouraged or required to live and or socialize only with other group members. And the most loyal members feel that there can be no life outside of the context of the group. They believe there is no other way to be often fear reprisals to themselves or others if they if they leave or in consider even consider leaving the group so these are some certain qualities that truly define something different than religion or politics this is cult behavior this is what defines a cult now you know here's some psychological background that can provide insight regarding cult induction and, and it, you know there's a lot involved in this and so we're going to kind of break it down in steps but first of all behavior is a function of both a person's personality and their situation and so if you know anything about psychology you, you know behavior is a function of or an interaction of both the personality and the environment and one of the uh, social uh, psychology's great discoveries has been the overwhelming influence that the environment and the immediate situation uh, exerts on people's behavior. Yet, you know, when assigning cause, observers will usually uh, attribute cause to a person's personality and not the constraints of the environment. With the cults, it is much about groupthink. It's groupthink to the hilt. And there is such a persistent and reliable human bias to assign cause to a person rather than the environment, that it has been given the name of a fundamental attribution error. So the fact is, environment can easily dominate personality because based on differences among the people and making people uh, their differences as a relatively minor variable in, in the whole equation of things. So in other words, given a powerful and engaging situation, people often react to it on a uniformity, similar fashion, regardless of the personality differences. And so this has been demonstrated a whole lot of times in the laboratory and, uh, and more frighteningly in real life. You know, there appears to be no reliable personality factor that predicts cult membership. However, certain situational elements make people more vulnerable to cult recruitment. And they include, number one, big factor. This is a weakness. Loneliness. 
as experienced by someone who has recently moved to a new location. Also, depression, as we feel after a failed relationship. Uncertainty about how to proceed, you know, as you might feel when you first go to college. These situations create a desire for quick, simple solutions, and cults provide a whole bunch of these solutions. They are very solution-focused about life, which are more importantly accompanied by structure, which makes people feel safe, authority, which makes people feel safe, close social contacts, which makes people feel trust, and elements that people want, need, which most of us take for granted in our everyday lives. So according to, uh, you know, if you look at um, Margaret Thayer Singer, uh, she said that cults flourish during periods of social and political turbulence. Well, guess what we're in today? Social and political turbulence. Well, guess what the media is doing? It's doing exactly what cults do. It's, it's, it's doing group think. What do you think the Democratic Party is since it has no platform? Group think. You know, there is a lot going on around this whole element of reassuring a certain perspective. And we are in a very social, uh, socially traumatic pocket. And I've talked about this on other shows, but this is what leads people into easy way out thinking. And they escape into places like these cults. And it's so sad. You know, why, you know, why do people join the Masons or, or the Rotarians or a political party? Because it's what they offer. They offer friendship. They offer connections. They offer identity. They offer the opportunity to make a contribution. And, and they're, you know, are the motives the same as joining the Order of the Solar Temple or the Branch Davidians or the Scientology or the Taliban or the Hamas or the Al-Qaeda? You know, how acceptable... Uh, social groups and organizations are different in different cults and different cultures. You know, it's amazing. We are fighting all of these terrorist cults out there, and they are cults. These are not religions. They're cults, and they're cults that, that demand of their people to follow their doctrine. And it's so sad that people will actually grab onto that rather than establish their own free will and their own personal identity. So there's a great deal of interest in cults, which can take a whole lot of forms. There may be a religious or racial or a political or a mystical or a self-help or a, a pseudo-psychological cult, but they all have half a dozen recognizable characteristics. Number one, powerful and an exclusive dedication, devotion to an explicit person or creed. They use the thought reform programs to integrate, to socialize, to persuade and control members. You know, it's amazing when you watch interviews on television regarding politics, it's amazing how many of the folks, especially in the Democratic Party, and I'm not trying to belittle the Democratic Party. I hope they get stronger. I hope they grow so we can have a very diverse government. However, the problem is, is that they have all done their own talk. They're all talking the same. They all fit whatever the the, the Democratic uh, thought process is into their answers, which are don't always match up with the questions. And it makes them look crazy. And it's so sad that they cannot be free-thinking individuals, you know, at least the people that represent them on the press. You know, a well-thought-through recruitment, selection, and socialization process is often used. Then they also do this thought reform programs to, you know, and we talked about that earlier. Also, they insist on reprogramming the way we see the world. And they have a very consistent exploitation of group members specifically to advance the leader's goals. And they nearly always go in for uh, control signals, 
you know, a different unfamiliar setting with different rules, terms, behavior patterns that differentiates them from the world. And it justifies why they do. And ultimately, they use psychological and physical harm to cult members, their friends, their relatives, and possibly the community as a whole. You know, most cults start their induction by trying to stop both individualistic and critical thinking. Like like the army, their job is the first and you break that and it will remake you into one of them. And this involves the induction of sacred creed that members may have to live by. And through open confession and, and subordination to the individual, the doctrine of the cult ensures control and purity. So cult deliberately induce powerful emotions like fear and guilt, but also pride. And they tend to develop their own language and they dress and, and they have signals that shows their own specialness. But the, the central question is whether usually thought of good legitimate organizations do differently than cults. What do they do? Do the Boy Scouts and the, and, and the Round Table or the Women's Institute operate psychologically at any rate? Does the military? Well, yes, the military does because they're certain they're, they're designed and, and willingly designed to go into certain danger. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the mind controlling techniques, why people would join a cult, and then we're going to move on into the indoctrination process. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but... If you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? 
The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about cult psychology. You know, the mind-controlling techniques of extremist cults are a little different from those of the army or religious organizations or prisons. You know, their techniques are, in fact, pretty well known. Uh, Number one is they demand total, uh, consistent compliance and conformity. They use really heavy persuasive techniques like creating dissonance, emotional manipulation, and they differ only in intensity and duration and, and, and in effectiveness. I mean, they literally encompass a person's life. They just take their identity and they mold them into somebody different. And, and, and what do all uh, cults and non-cults offer for a potential recruit? Well, they offer friendship, they offer identity, they offer respect, security, they also offer a world, world, world view, a way of discerning right from wrong, good from bad. And, and these are very powerful incentives for all people, whether, whatever their background. But we are social animals, and, 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 but they offer more in a cult. They offer, in addition to what I just mentioned, they offer a very structured lifestyle, the, the ability to acquire new skills, And through their very different ideologies, they also offer moral explanations into how the world works. They provide very clear answers to difficult and big questions and what it all means and what is the secret of happiness, what's life after death, the difference between right and wrong, who is with us and who is against us, the saved and the damned. And these are very, very powerful terminologies. Even political groups have a sort of religious agenda and the language of revenge and purification, justice, which are often very uh, Old Testament. And so usually within most extremist cult groups, surprisingly, little violence and often a healthy lifestyle, at least in terms of exercise and diet, many of these people enjoy that in the cults. And many promise the ability to heal Uh, physical and psychological illnesses, even the illness of a society as a whole. And many promise the greatest gift of all, which is immortality. You know, essentially five things make up extreme groups and dangerous groups to the member. First, they demand that they sever all ties with their family members and their friends. They sever all ties with organizations such as schools and churches and this naturally makes them more dependent on the cult itself and help creates the person's new identity and then they can start all over again they get to wipe the slate clean they have no sins and so this this uh, rule is also found in extreme christian monastic orders also a second the members are required to show immediate unquestioned obedience to rules and regulations which may be arbitrary, petty, or pointless. And the, the idea is to ensure alliance and obedience. And so that strategy is, is used to break in their recruits and their staff, and, and basically they, they put them through a boot camp. Uh, the, also, the group members often have to go long hours of tedious work and it may be like drilling or begging for money or cooking, followed by compulsory reading or chanting or meditating. And, and recruits usually become physically and emotionally and mentally exhausted. Sleep deprivation is a good start, and it's all part of that induction process to break that person down. You know, all groups need money to exist, so some are very much into money 
both as an end and as a means. And this may therefore quickly involve recruits getting involved in an illegal or a semi-illegal uh, activities. And, and these groups often state or, or support that they are, have a long history and they, they often reflect on themselves as a long historical uh, operation. And they, uh, you know, members really need to understand how, when, and why money is required and set about getting to it quickly. Also, uh, groups make, uh, cultural groups make uh, exit costs very high. Leaving is associated with failure, with persecution, with isolation, and it's more than just a waste of time and effort. They make you feel as if nothing will ever be the same as you will be an outcast. And it's made to sound as a very unattractive, indeed impossible option. You know, but it is true that certain individuals are more receptive to the message of cults than others. You know, recruiters know that when they appear to have uh, in common is that their their uh, translational phases of life is the biggest thing. They want to hit somebody when they're at a weak spot, when they're losing their identity, when something that they've established, if, they, if their job is their life and all of a sudden they lost their job, they don't know who the hell they are, that's the vulnerability state that a cult looks for in people. And so they throw their bait out for those kind of folks. And, and, and in short, they often make the person feel uh, alienated because they don't want any other influence on that person. They shut the door on that person immediately. You know, and also they always have great recruiters. They are introduced into a group with simple but sensible answers. They, these people are, are very good at marketing. They offer simple rules, simple lifestyle, social support. Uh, but most of the time, they're just offering the surface of what the cult's about before they move them into the deeper culture because they don't want to indoctrinate them to the full culture. They want to make it look as good as they possibly can. And, and most are, are happy to trade off their liberty and their assets uh, and for glory, for power, for security of the group. And, and so the, the, the cult appears to offer what they need and want. And, and usually shy, unassertive people who seem inhibited and awkward in social situations, they are very much attracted to groups with uh, cult-like patterns. And, and uh, they want that predictability and that rule following. Also, extreme groups offer simple, clear messages for the complex world. So old certainties are crumbling. You know, ethics, even science is portrayed as having only relative truths. The world is corrupt, evil, unfair, very complex, and the cult is where things are safe. So a group or a leader offers a very sensible, sane explanation for the complex world. You know, a secure group, personal salvation, these are very attractive terms, and they come in many forms. You know, uh, politicians of extreme left and right use the same techniques, religious leaders, the media, Romantic revolutionaries, persuasive writers, power-hungry individuals, you know, brilliant orators, movie star saviors, they all use this indoctrination process with their fans and with the people who follow them. The people who join extreme groups are not strange, disturbed, or sheep-like idiots. They are, they are social animals and members of many groups. And the more secretive the group, the more the person is likely to be labeled a cult because cults are in, uh, they're, 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 um, they're not an outward culture, they're an inward culture. And the more zealous the member is, the more likely we are to call them uh, deviants. 
And if they're involved in a quasi-military activity such as terrorism, they are radicals. You know, all of the above applies to, to, to saboteurs and, and Luddites. You know, if people are group members and act on behalf of groups, a lot of the dark side behavior in organization is group work. You know, certain forms of stealing and cheating cannot be done by individuals alone. You know, people club together to revenge themselves, and they do things on behalf of groups that many seem strange and un- unacceptable. So know them, know, no one sees themselves as actually a cult member when they're a part of a cult. You know, so indoctrination is a process that cults follow, and the doctrine is their reality. It is considered the truth with a capital T, and it, it covers nearly every uh, eventuality, and members are expected to accept it completely, even if they don't understand it. And, and so, you know, the best cult doctrines are unverifiable and un- unevaluable. And this means they cannot be proven or disproved that they have to be accepted based on faith, not on fact, on faith. And a fundamental aspect of cult psychology is to get the person to distrust themselves, to develop a new identity where the doctrine is the master program for all the thoughts, feelings, and actions. And this pseudo-identity does not need to be the presence of the group leader, but it is in all of the people who follow. And they all need to think, act, and feel in the same way, and they all need to be reflective of the cult leader. Also, black and white, good versus evil, that simplifies life. People want life to be simple, simple, simple. So black and white thinking is the way to do it. They typically reduce things to black and white. Shades of gray are not allowed. So after all, if they have the ultimate truth with a capital T, then every other group must be wrong, which leads to an us versus them mentality. So you're either with the group or you're an outsider. And that means outsiders are dangerous because they have strange points of view. This also, and they're, they're also flawed. They're very flawed people. And that means that the people outside the cult are flawed. That's what the, the cult will validate. Until they come to the cult for the real truth, the rest of the world is wrong. Also, this, go, this goes uh, part of the way in explaining how these members end up uh, distancing themselves from their family and friends because what their family and friends are saying is so far from removed from what they're learning. And so they just kind of basically feel sorry for them, but they're bored with their friends and family because they don't offer reinforcement of their perspective. You know, and they're also uh, – uh, uh, they, they're made to believe that their friends and family are outsiders and a bad influence and stepping them from growing, from evolving, and progressing. So cult psychology of black and white thinking expends, uh, it extends itself to a whole lot of different areas. But you're, you're either all in or you're all out. You have to ac- accept everything the leader says or not. You are, you are also sexually liberated if you're not. You know, uh, basically, there is some manipulation going on there. You know, uh, words like never, always, everyone are very much used frequently. So never, always, everyone. That's the kind of terminology they use to demonize the world. And, and one reason uh, is that they want you to model the leader. The, the, the destructive sex seems to take, you know, very strange or... or uh, very strange perspective. Every member seems to have common habits, common mannerisms. They have to have their own jargon. They dress the same. They have their own language. And this is because the members believe that they should be modeling or copying the leader or the people higher up in the organization 
uh, might be the people that they model themselves after. Also, obedience, loyalty, very highly regarded in destructive cults. And copying the leader is a way for members to show these values. Very often, members don't just want to be like the leader. They want to be like the person. And, and they, they want to take on that, that, that leader's persona. And so they also develop a, a, a pseudo-identity or pseudo-psychology. Since they're being, many of them are caught in a very weak spot in their life, they, they don't have a strong identity. They don't have a lot of decisions in their life. That's why children are so much more susceptible to cults than uh, people that are, are older because um, they want to take on, they want to unfreeze the identity uh, that you currently have or freeze it, and they want to unfreeze a new identity, and they want to keep inviting that change into your process, and they want to freeze up and, and, and reinforce very positively that new identity. You know, there's a whole lot of techniques used in that process, but, uh, you know, family and friends are radical changes to that person, and they become very, very foreign to that person once they enter into that cult psychology. Also, contradictions exist in how destructive cults work and what the leaders say because the doctrine is totalitarian in nature. And typically, there are cult contradictions here as well. They're usually a product of the leader's thinking, and they're used by the cult leaders to justify their own actions to manipulate the, uh, the, the, the members. So here's some contradictions. Freedom. Many cultures, uh, cults offer freedom in different forms. Freedom from sin, freedom, financial freedom, personal freedom. And of course, this is one of the first things that people actually lose. They lose the freedom to think or choose from themselves. They actually lose the freedom to do what they want. And sometimes even the liberty to go where they want or have the relationships they want, even eat what they like. And also, uh, the interesting thing, however, is that members continue to think that they are free, even more free than they were at any other time in their life. And, and this is the nature of mind control. Also, truth is another contradiction. Typically, cults offer the truth, and they have the way. And by the way, there is a cult name, The Way. And also the knowledge and the method for living life. The leader makes themselves out to be a person with special knowledge for their followers. And of course, the truth of what is actually happening is mind control. And it's totally hidden from the members. You know, a second aspect is that lies are frequent in cults and in cult leaders. In fact, one, one psychopath says of psychopaths, they lie as easily as they breathe. The doctrine, the ideas of the leader are an invitation or a distortion of other ideas. And that's, that's to say they are frequent lies. And, and so they live in a demented state of lies. And another aspect of cult contradictions is that the members are expected to be honest and open, especially with the leaders, and particularly if confession is common to the group. At the same time, they are told it's okay to lie to outsiders to collect funds and to recruit new members. So the members are taught that, after all, it's for their own good. Also, elitism is another contradiction. Members in destructive cults come to believe that they're elite 
that they have knowledge or ability that outsiders don't. And in many ways, they feel special and different and more evolved and more developed than people who are not in their group. How would that feel to feel like Superman every day of your life after you may have been a meth addict for five years and now you've jumped into a cult and you're Superman? That is how they do. They want you to feel strong about themselves, about yourself, but basically they are there to use you. So, you know, outsiders often consider that cult members are weak Easily controlled, stupid, mad, fanatics, full of nonsense, and a host of other things that you could say about the opposite spectrum. But the problem is they have been caught at a weak point in their life. Invulnerability. This mem- you know, they, these uh, cult members often believe that they are invulnerable in the sense that problems of the outside world do not apply to them. And that's why these people, these terrorists that will actually kill people, they think they're going to get, you know, some privileges in heaven after they die. They're invulnerable. And they're usually, they're very healthy and not prone to illness. That's because they want their members to stay alive as long as possible, to be as productive as possible. And, and, and they are happier that way when they're healthy. And, that's, and when they're healthy, they're a good representative of the cult. And so that, you know, each member is is a representative of the cult that they're in. And so that is very important that they're healthy because if they look unhealthy, people don't tend to want to join. Also, criticism. You know, the leader's destructive steps are they're typically very critical of outsiders. They have to be because, after all, the group is the truth. And also, um, decisions. Learn how to think for yourself, make your own decisions, liberate yourself from the tyranny of society, choose your own life are the offerings that a lot of cults will offer people. You know, they think, but the problem is they have a closed doctrine in cults, which, which creates a, a basically a, a, a bounded reality. As the members have blinkers on, they have a very particular way of seeing the world, and the more they indoctrinate, the more they push them into that way of life, the, the more they believe what the cult believes rather than what they may have be, uh, believed as an individual. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to take another break, and we're going to go into how indoctrination works. And then we're going to talk about some tactics, and then we're going to talk about some cults. Come back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at DRGBMFT for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or DRGBMFT.com. Remember, DrGBMFT.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about cold psychology. You know, time is a very important element. The rewarding of the how much time you have spent in the cult is very much a strong reinforcer in the indoctrination process. So members often spend years involved with the group, giving, giving their money, their energy, their bodies, their sexual abuse, their souls, and of course their time. You know, there's an arrogance. You know, culture leaders, cult, cult leaders typically have a huge ego, an enormous sense of entitlement. And they believe they are better than everybody else. And so the members always want to model themselves after the leader. However, the members are expected to be humble. And you guessed it, the leader gets to be the leader. And they are elite. Um, independence is another thing that they promise. You know, they believe Members believe that they are becoming more and more independent the more time they spend in the group. But after all, they're learning how to make their own decisions, do their own thing in the world, break free from the chains of the past, and no longer be influenced by others because all they have to do to live their life properly is to follow the rules of the cult. You know, it's, it's just a huge contradiction. They believe they're free, but they're not. Also, control. You know, this is a sense that they have control over their lives because cults offer structure. And that structure, they may not realize was developed by the cult, but they develop it into their own routine and basically it becomes who they are. You know, and then they convince you that it's the real you, that lots of personal development cults offer programs where you can learn to be the real you, the ideal you. They, they will teach you how to access your real identity, how to get rid of all the layers and masks that you've accumulated over the years. And, and with mind control, the person actually develops a pseudo identity this way. Also, sex is another uh, uh, indoctrination. It's, it's one of the most common cult contradictions because it's used as a very powerful way to control and dominate. For example, in many groups, that the, pers- pr- the purpose of celibacy, the leader is often having sexual relationships with many members, uh, which is sexual abuse. However, the people that are in the cult may have the freedom to have sex with whoever they want, or they have a very uh, simple relationship with one person. You know, the group, many of the destructive sects offer friendship, companionship, the option to make new friends that are like-minded. And so these new recruits are often exposed to what, you know, it's basically love bombing. It's, it's basically the creation of a honeymoon phase that the person is lured into in a very weak point of their life. You know, the, the, the closer inspection of friendships in group is usually reveals that a lot of these relationships are more obligatory and fairly shadow, uh, shallow. You know, if somebody commits a sin within a group or breaks the rules in some way, very quickly these friendly people jump to the other fence and ostracize that group member. So the leader does not want friendships. They want the attention for themselves. And so the, the leader will demand that attention in a cult. They, they also do not, the leaders don't want adoration. At least that's what they say. You know, in reality, they are cultivating an environment in which 
they are the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the supreme being, and anyone who does not demonstrate adoration may be punished. So what they may do is they offer themselves up as uh, as if they're a victim or somebody that is is humble, but they're not really humble. They want adoration. Also, you know, they in a, in a cult they want you to believe that all the people in the cult are your family. And that will indoctrinate you permanently because you leave the cult, you leave your family. And also, um, basically, there's a lot of competition within the cult to indoctrinate you further. So competition is a very, very powerful thing. And when we're competing to become more spiritual or more a part of our cult, the whole idea is that, that, that you will show dedication stronger. You will do all the things that the cult wants in a competitive way so that you're elevated within the cult and have more privileges. Also, a scarcity is another technique. You know, they, they offer something different that you can't get anywhere else. This is the only place that we can offer that, 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 that you're offered this kind of freedom or this kind of need that we are, we are meeting. And they all feel that they're saving the world. These cults all feel that their purpose is to save the world. And all these poor people are just ignorant and don't know. You know, oftentimes... The doctrine of the cults creates impossibilities that the members are urged to try and obtain. And so, you know, typically the leader claims that they have these abilities and that the members are simply trying to be as good as the leader. For example, working without emotions, never making judgments, having perfect days whenever you want them, never breaking the rules, never sinning. You know, these are things that we all would love to have. But once again, that's black and white thinking. They also use combinations, and these are aspects of cult psychology that basically isolates people. You know, uh, keep in mind that all the things are stacked up upon each other in their thought process in different groups. So, so the, there may be no physical coercion or force, but the pressures are enormous. So they will combine pressures from different uh, whatever your weaknesses are to basically keep you going into the cult. So they use manipulation through fear and guilt, and that's central. You know, and also guilt is in, introduced in many ways because it's a weak I and mean, guilt is showing your weakness, their, your mistakes, your weak faith, your inability to understand your evil spirits. And in fact, that is what the leadership has decided is what you are to feel guilty about. And, and fear and guilt makes you dependent. And so the members become dependent on the leader and know who they are. I mean, you know, think about the Catholic Church, and, uh, you know, I'm Catholic, but I got to tell you something. I'm bad Catholic, by the way. But the deal is, that's how they manipulated people into the church and indoctrinated them was through fear and guilt. Also, emotional highs and lows are used by cults, and they, 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 they create many highs, and those highs have to be achieved. You have to do something to do that. And so that shows that, hey, you know the truth. You are doing what the cult does. And so they reward you and reward you and reward you. And then the lows are when you are developing your own perspective and going against what the cult believes. And so there's a lot of lows because they want you to feel guilty and feel vulnerable and feel humble. But at the same time, there's a lot of highs to make you go deeper into the cult. And so uh, they, they, their jargon also is very unique. You know, uh, they, they want you to have very much a black and white, no outside influences, black and white. They use confessions. 
that they they use a change in a sense of time. You know, uh, the cult controls and extends how members consider the past, the present, and the future. Typically, there is a distancing from your past, a distancing from your former identity, and under mind control, past memories are distorted, and the negative ones being um, amplified. And then the positive is minimized and denied. So members often talk about their past being black or gray, and they don't fully remember their past as they once did. You know, now they're understanding whys. Now they're beginning to think that they have answers that they never had before. But what they don't understand is being filtered through the cult's perspective. And so the sense of uh, present typically becomes all important, living in the now. And, and by the way, that is a very important thing for us to be healthy. But living in the now means a denial into a cult, a denial of your past and a looking negatively. It's a distorted view of your life rather than a true view of your life. So the future is time when there will be great rewards or punishments. So the leaders typically are promising future and, and they create visions of the future in a way that allows further manipulation of the, of, the, of the members and maintains cult control. Because if you know where you're headed, you're going to want to go there as fast as possible. And so leaders are very clear about where they want you to be. Also, in most groups, what happens is in the most cults, uh, there's a sense of uh, an eternal present where members are simply doing what they're doing without much critical thinking. And the more they can do away with critical thinking and doing just obligatory in the now behavior, people are left with the idea that they don't have to think. And they become lazy because they follow doctrine rather than think for themselves. You know, confessions are a very important part of these things. So they want to erode the sense of self and destroy any privacy that a person has, whether it's overt or covert. They, they want to have you confessing all of the time to make sure that you're still part of the cult's doctrine. And it's very common in most groups as members talk covertly to the leadership about wrongdoings of other people. So they usually will talk about who is committing sins and bring them out. And so they'll talk to the leader, and the leader becomes important this way because they can only confess to the leader or part of the leadership. That leadership will then come down on another person for breaking rules. So that's how they they basically police their own selves. So, uh, you know, these are some of the the problems that cults offer. And, and the problem is they just destroy people. Just destroy people. Okay. So what are some cults? Well, ISIS and Taliban. ISIS and Taliban is our biggest problem in this world. I mean, they are creating a lot of fear, a lot of death of poor, wonderful, innocent people who are vacationing or living their daily life and suddenly car bomb. Suddenly somebody pulls out a knife. I mean, they, they literally are indoctrinating people to kill in the sense of for them as if it's a religion and then promising the eternal and 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 ISIS and Taliban have their own little little uh, language they have their own ways of being they have their own secret society and and the whole problem is is that the world's got to get serious and crack down on them because their extremism is about basically indoctrinating the whole world into their own psychology and so if we don't stop this thing in our tracks we're all going to be living in their horrible, horrible world. All right. Now another one, the, the biggest one, the most probably the evilest one is Scientology. 
This this Church of Scientology was formed in uh, 1953 by L. Ron Hubbard, and uh, it is a very rich cult, and it's very high-profile members. They want to make sure they put really healthy, uh, sexy people out there like Tom Cruise, and and uh, you know, and it, this thing Scientology has remained very confer- uh, con- uh, controversial since its origin, and, and this religious cult is based on the idea of clearing the human psyche of negative emotions and memories and bring out the whole potential, the full potential of the psyche with, with intense therapy sessions. And they often rely on the use of, of lie detectors. And, and this is claimed to be based on scientific research and facts. But Scientology is known for its official litigations, its murky way of shutting up critics and apostolates. And, and, and oftentimes they've even killed uh, and at least rumor has it that they have done that. Also, the KKK, one of the biggest cults uh, with, with uh, the beliefs rooted in white supremacy, the Ku Klux Klan is a, is a particular cult of Christianity, and it's extremely violent in nature. And it's full of arson uh, to cold-blooded murder, and they, they don't hesitate to go to great lengths to establish their racist attitudes and tortures of, of, of Jewish people, of black people, and people from any other race but whites. And, and uh, you know, this is a very scary cult that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it just reinforces that negativity. And alongside the cult, the, ones, the others that have joined in the KKK type of cult are the Nazis. And there are still Nazis out there, folks. And yes, they take on a very similar perspective to the KKK. Also, there's the, 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 the Children of God. This is a very twisted cult, and it's founded by a guy named David Berg. And is also another thing it's known as is Family International. And it's, it's, it's devoted, this is sick, to pedophilia and sex. The followers of this cult believed that sex with children was natural and right. And based on the belief that the apocalypse is coming, this doomsday cult uses flirt fishing, which is the use of sex to get new members for it. So the children who were born as a result of flirt fishing were referred to as Jesus babies. You know, this... This cult is rumored that the female members are also forced to go into prostitution and sex slavery. Um, Raelism, it's it's known as Raelism, and and this is a a UFO religion cult, and and they believe that the existence of extraterrestrial entities – Flying UFOs uh, founded, this was founded in 74. They believed that life on Earth was created scientifically by extraterrestrials, prophets like Buddha, Jesus, and, and uh, Elohim. And, and it's, it's basically, it calls them ETs. And this, this thing, realism, it strives for world peace, for sharing, for democracy, for nonviolence. And it also has a very liberal attitude towards sex. So the founder of this cult, uh, uh, Claude Vorahon, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it, um, is also known as Rail, and it claims to be in touch with God. And according to this cult, their mechanisms are like human cloning and mind transfer, and humans can achieve an eternal life. Okay, now, we also have to look at uh, a Bavarian alumnati, and this is founded in 19, or 1776 by Adam Washop. And this cult is one of the main uh, alumni groups. 
apparently this cult was opposed to superstition and, and obscurism, religious influence over public life and abuses of state power, yet they remain to be known as the world's biggest conspirators. So allegedly there are many uh, big shots in this culture who control world affairs by masterminding events and planting agents and governments and corporations in order to gain political power and influence and establish rules of a new world, basically conspiracy theories. Um, also, there's another one. It's a Japanese doomsday cult. It's called Um Shinryo. And, and this Japanese doomsday cult, it basically was founded by Shoko Ashara in 1984. And through their belief system, this cult is based on the elements of, okay, is uh, basically Buddhism, using a, a Buddhism. But it's a scary, scary cult. And uh, in 1995, uh, about 12 people were maimed, and almost 1,000 were maimed, and 12 were killed. All right, that's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. Our next show is Rape, and I would love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or drgbmft at drgmft on Twitter. Remember, a cult following is a nice way of saying very few people like you. That's Martin Mull. And the strange thing about the press and the Democrats these days is they communicate like they belong to a cult. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.